about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here. The podcast edition on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. It is a Feedback Friday. We'll be getting to your feedback here momentarily. But first, we love to remind you that we do love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Also, if you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, we just wrapped up production on the Dace Group Roundtable, our weekly look at the week that was. We got into a cornucopia of topics. We laughed, we cried, we all died a little inside. So you don't want to miss it. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, if you want to watch our show today on CRTV. And that won't just give you access to our show today, but every show we've ever done, so you can see the long train of abuses we are guilty of. And you can also get access to the like good shows we do, not ours, but the other shows that are actually good. From the great one, Mark Levin, right on down the line, Michelle Malkin, all the rest. Promo code DACE at CRTV.com will get you that discounted subscription today. And then finally, uh, don't forget, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, hit that subscribe button right there in front of you. It takes about 10 seconds. Uh, That helps us. The more of you that do that, the more of you that do that. And then um, if you can leave us a a review, if you like the show, if you dig it, if you think uh, we've got a good beat and you can dance to it, we would appreciate if you would leave us a positive review. Many of you have already done so. Thank you. Those help us to grow this podcast as well. All right, Todd and Aaron, it is a Feedback Friday. Should we get to some feedback? You guys ready to go? Blast off. All right, here we go. Braden Kelly writes, I have been intrigued with the Article 5 Convention of States ever since the great one Mark Levin introduced me to the concept. Since you had a leader from the movement on your show recently, I was wondering if you could provide your two cents on a question I have pondered. Putting aside the concerns of a runaway convention that I don't believe is possible, put aside whether or not the federal government will even allow the amendments we oppose on them, can the Convention of States be successful in American culture today? The founders provided an alternative method for proposing and amending the Constitution, but what if the culture is one that applauds big government? Braden, the culture is one that applauds big government. So, we're, go- we're good here. Oh, you want more? Okay. Uh, I, mean, I think it's a great question. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but it's self-evident. You wouldn't require the mechanism of an Article 5 if you weren't in the predicament of the culture you're currently in. That's why the founders gave you this mechanism, right? I mean... In a pre-Federal Reserve world, in a pre-16th Amendment world, people weren't calling for Article 5 conventions, guys. Most people didn't think it was required. We don't, I mean, we have these sorts of fail-safes that our founders gave us in the Constitution for when the situation becomes as it currently is. 
So the answer to your question, by virtue of this even happening, is that the culture is what you say it is. Now, whether this can be successful or not, no man can rise above his own worldview. I got an email today from a pastor um, who asked me about my recent endorsement of the Convention of States, and he said, well, I, I just think we're, to me, I think we're just too far gone. And I just think right now we just need to be, we need to focus on essentially word and sacrament and pray for revival. Okay, you won't get a disagreement out of me. I'm, 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 I have no problem proclaiming when I think there is no, there, there, there is no possible way for God's people to win in this environment. I've said that about the Republican Party. If I thought it was possible for God's people to be successful in the Republican Party, guess what I would still be? A Republican. That's why I'm not a Republican. You may disagree. That's okay, too. You don't have to agree with me. You know? Godspeed. I hope your efforts are successful. I spent over a decade of my life, and at the level, the level of the party that I operated at, you age in dog years. So 10 years of, of what I was doing in the party is a lifetime for the average volunteer who does this in their spare time. And after seeing, after being in the inner sanctum of the sausage making factory, I came to the conclusion there's no hope here. Doesn't mean I, I wouldn't suggest, doesn't mean I'm saying blanketly don't vote for any more Republicans, but do so under the expectation level that what you're trying to do is stave off an execution. You're, you're not, you're slowing down the rate of growth. This isn't a heroic exercise. It's not a valiant enterprise. It's not edifying. It's not righteous. You are hoping, you, you essentially are doing a, a, the political version of Walt Disney putting his body in cryogenic freeze in the hope that in the future they may create something, future technology that will allow him to be immortal. You are inducing a coma so that the, uh, to give a body a fighting chance to cause a death or to, uh, a fighting chance to fight a, or, or prevent a death-causing agent from having its way. You are not advancing anything. Anything. You are, this is a rear guard action. And historically, there are times for rear guard actions. There have been, no doubt about it. You know, we just had a movie last summer called Dunkirk about one of the all-time rear guard actions. Some wars require rear guard actions. But at best, your vote for any Republican, even a good one like a Ted Cruz, even a good one like my buddy Chip Roy, you send Chip Roy to this Congress, he is beating his head against the wall every day. That's the reality. So voting for any of these guys, given the environment they walk into, the party they belong to, is a rear guard action. Unless you can put them in a position of, of leadership, like president, where they're calling the shots of who's in control of the party apparatus. They have a bully pulpit to move people in and out of congressional leadership if they want. But short of that, rear guard action at best. What you're, what you're doing is you're walking into intensive care and you're seeing Jack Kevorkian hovering over the patient. That's the Democratic Party. 
Jack Kevorkian is hovering over the, 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 the patient, being the Constitution, and um, is, is administering a black substance into an IV that causes instantaneous death. What you're doing is you're turning down the drip. That's all your vote is. In my view, you might disagree. And when you get your show and your podcast, you can express that view. I think I've got, I, I didn't come to this conclusion easily. I fought coming to this conclusion for a long time because I knew it would be bad for my career to come to this conclusion. And I got to feed my family too. But after a while, I, I simply could not deny the reality in front of me. Now, I don't think we're there systemically as a society yet. You know, this pastor sounds like he probably read Rod Dreher's book, The Benedict Option. And I certainly think we're one or, I don't think we're at the Benedict Option yet, but I think we're like one or two stages away from it. You know? That's why if you sent me that note like 10 years ago, I would have called you a quitter, would have gotten on you. I won't do that now. Because I think a convention of states is really the last chance within the conventional system we have to challenge the paradigm. And so as long as I think there's an opportunity for me to stand for what I think is right, that doesn't cause me to compromise my principles, I'm going to do it. But I won't fight past that point. Because then I'm fighting myself as much as I'm fighting the opposition. And I think I've reached that point in the Republican Party. Staying there doesn't mean I, I, I don't support individual candidates within the party, but staying there as an agent of the party put me in a position where now I'm fighting my own stated belief system as much as I am fighting that which is in opposition to it. It's a loss leader now. That's why I'm out. Now, you may, you may view the culture that way. You may think it's time to invoke the Benedict Option. Okay. I won't argue with you. I would have argued with you a few years ago. I won't argue with you now. I don't agree with you yet. I can see myself getting to that place eventually. But I think if, I think, you know, when I see the convention of states go from a ragtag group of patriots to over a million likes on Facebook, that tells me there's 7,000 men in Israel who haven't taken the knee to bail yet. Okay. And as long as you present me a mechanism that allows me to fight for what I think is right, that doesn't cause me to contradict my stated belief system, I will fight with you. But the minute we run out of those options, I'm not going to just stay. I'm out. I'm going to hit the eject. I'm hitting the Benedict option. I'm, I'm fleeing Jerusalem when Hadrian sends Titus in to raise it to the ground, okay? I'm not fighting to the death. I'm out. I'm fleeing to Petra at that point, if you get my biblical reference there. So did I answer Braden's question, do you think? Sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You guys have any response to that? I'm just, while I've also very begrudgingly come to being willing to sign off on it, I do so with a high degree of melancholy because we have the finest political uh, governing document ever devised in the history of man and we don't know anything about it, and we ignore it and reshape it in our image on a regular basis, and what on earth can we possibly come up with after even a... It, 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 
isn't this going to be just like a Republican Party platform that everybody turns around and just starts ignoring the second it's done, even if it's amazing? I mean, we just we are a people that cannot abide uh, honest to God truth. It's it is it is quite possible, perhaps likely that is true, but it's possible. And I've, I saw this in our own home state. With the the final thing for the convention of states for me is I recognized what they were trying to do is what we is what Bob Vanderplatz and a few of us organized the effort to do to the judges in Iowa. I was just going to bring that up, so follow through because I want to. In the end, did it have the lasting? No, that's impact? my point. No, but what it did show is that if we presented the people a righteous tool to stand up to the system and it was presented to them honestly they would still take it what we've built in Iowa is we have an organizational network of conservatives here that some of us have spent the last several years building that allows us to get beyond the Fox Drudge Rush um, triumvirate you get outside of where I live, because I've been out, I've been all over the country. You get outside of where I live, and if Fox, Drudge, and Rush aren't talking about it to conservatives, it's like it didn't happen. It's a tree falling in a forest that no one's in. We, we, that, that's why Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum and, and Ted Cruz can win here. When Fox News is essentially the Mitt Romney network, as it was in 08 and 2012, and it's the it's the Marco Rubio and then the Donald Trump network, like it was in 2016, because we have built, and then you saw what happened. Cruz got out of Iowa. They created the narrative that he stole the election, and Marco Rubio had the greatest third place finish of all time, right? And what happened in, in New Hampshire? He fell on his face because. The insulation that the network guys like me and Bob and several others around the state have put together of conservatives, he was outside of those friendly confines now, and now he's subject to the Fox, Drudge, Rush triumvirate. And then, and then Cruz picks up more momentum, starts winning, what was it, six, seven states in a row. Right. And then they win that. We thought, that was, we thought the worm turned in that Wisconsin primary, yes. which was this week, or it was April 5th of, 19, of 2016, this time two years ago. And most of the media thought that as well. And then what happened? Fox went with the narrative that Cruz was stealing elections through these conventions. And it was, we were done within a month. I mean, if I would have come in here April 6th after Cruz destroyed Trump in the Wisconsin primary and said Ted Cruz is going to be out of the race in three weeks, what would you have told me? It's nuts. You told me I'm crazy. That's exactly what happened. The, the process went to the East Coast, to New York State, to Fox's home HQ, and they turned the whole thing into Ted Cruz is stealing the, the nomination. And the minute they ran with that narrative, our numbers amongst our base imploded. We got desperate. We, we tried to make that, forge that deal with Kasich. We added Carly Fiorina as a, because we were trying to come up with something to change the narrative because Fox destroyed us with Cruz is stealing elections. They handed the nomination to Trump. We couldn't overcome it. If this had happened in Iowa, Cruz would have overcame it because he overcame it in Iowa to win Iowa because there's organization and networks of conservatives we have here that don't really exist in most places around the country. Everywhere else, if Fox, Drudge, and Rush say so, it is. If Fox, Drudge, and Rush say it isn't so, it isn't. And if Fox, Drudge, and Rush don't even acknowledge it occurs, it never did. 
period. I mean, Ted had Mark Levin, Glenn Beck. These guys have massive audiences in the millions. Mark Levin sold out my first book, my, my previous book, Rules for Patriots, for me. He sold it out. Glenn Beck sold out my last book, A Nefarious Plot, for me. I got him, I got him a movie deal because of Glenn Beck. That's how they heard about it. These guys have massive audiences. And not even with their massive audiences. I mean, Glenn basically turned his show into... Glenn was basically doing for Ted Cruz what Lou Dobbs is doing every night for Donald Trump. In a way. Just from a, you know, from a founding father's perspective and not necessarily from a ball-washing perspective like what Lou Dobbs does. But it was the Ted Cruz show. And even with the huge audiences those guys have, 50 times the audience we have, they couldn't overcome Fox, Drudge, and Rush. That's why there's a chapter in my book I'm working on right now that says if you ain't got Fox, Drudge, and Rush, you ain't got nothing. Period. So we have, but we have an organization of activists, and a lot of that, it started being built during the Huckabee campaign, where we really blew that up was the retention election. And we've kept that organization in place if we had not won the retention election, no way Rick Santorum wins Iowa over Mitt Romney. Because the organization that Rick Santorum tapped into that gave him that let him pull that upset doesn't exist. And there's no way Ted Cruz wins Iowa if we don't win that retention election. That's what I that's why to me the convention of states is a is is broader than an Article Five convention. It is our chance to build a national organization a national network of patriots to get around the echo chamber of whatever Fox, Drudge, and Rush agree is the acceptable Overton window for conservative viewership. And just as, just as what we did in the retention election, beyond the, the, that, that one singular electoral victory, which then the Republican governor just appointed more crappy justices, and it was like it never happened, right? Okay? But the ramifications of that race were felt to this day. Because it gave us a platform to build an organization of conservatives across the state that can get outside of the echo chamber of the, of the would-be gatekeepers and the powers that be. I'd like to see if we can emulate that nationally. And so I think the Convention of States, I agree with it principally, but I think there's a political potential that I'm not even sure they recognize, the people at Mark and the people running it. Because what they can do with this is create a network of conservative patriots across the country where they're feeding them news, they're feeding them content, and now you're adding an extra layer of, I mean, it, I'm not saying Fox, Drudge, and Rush aren't influential in Iowa. They're hugely influential amongst Iowa conservatives. We, why do we have to talk about natural-born citizenship and all that stuff? Because we, we constantly had to respond to the Fox, Drudge, and Rush stuff. But we had, so it's not like they don't hold sway in Iowa. They do. But we have a network in place that we can stand up to it. This network exists nowhere else. This is what my buddy Bob, Bob Vanderplas is trying to do with what's called his Daniel Initiative. He's trying to take the organizational approach we built in Iowa to other key states so they can do the same. Most of our people don't even know there's primary challengers to a lot of these rhinos. They don't even know about it. Didn't know about it in 2014. Didn't know about it in 2010. That's why we lost them all. Low turnout primaries and the same, the same rhino voters that voted Lindsey Graham in all those other years were the ones that showed up. And a lot of conservatives didn't even know there was a primary going on. They stayed home. 
I was involved in many of those races and covered many of them, so I know what I'm talking about. And in my next book, I'm going to lay out numbers that are going to blow you away. And why we have to... So the Convention of States is a chance to create our own micro-economy as patriots. Use social media and other platforms. I go back to what happened last year with the first fake Obamacare repeal. And Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and Rand Paul stood up against it. You guys remember this now? Last winter. Yeah. Winter of 2017. And Donald Trump was all for it. And Donald Trump went up and met with the Freedom Caucus. And he told them, I heard this directly from a member of the Freedom Caucus with my own ears. Trump went in there and met with the Freedom Caucus. They told him what was wrong with the bill. It was a crap bill. It was going to make it worse. It wasn't the campaign promise. And Trump looked at them all and said, and I quote, I don't give an F. We need a win. Pass it anyway. People, conservatives were calling their switchboards, asking them, why, are you stop, why aren't you working with Donald Trump, President Trump, to repeal Obamacare? You guys remember we did these shows? Yeah. It wasn't an Obamacare repeal. And so these Freedom Caucus members are on the phone talking to their own constituents because they're being told by Fox, Drudge, and Rush that this is an Obamacare repeal and that the Republicans in Congress won't go along with it. The Convention of States gives us a chance beyond just a constitutional remedy. There's a political tertiary result here that that the retention election gave us in Iowa. The chance to build a wide network of patriots that we can communicate with one another and inform one another and engage and mobilize one another outside of what Fox, Drudge, and Rush tell us is acceptable and is actually even happening. In fact, when I get done here, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm calling Mark Meckler on my way home. And I'm going to share this with him. Because I'm not sure he even fully understands what the, what, the, what the potential is of what they're trying to do beyond just a constitutional remedy. Now did I answer his question. And then some. Very much so. Warren Albrecht in Fargo writes, I was able to meet you in Fargo the other night, enjoyed your talk so much in our discussion. I did not get a chance to ask you a question, though. Perhaps you can answer this on the podcast. I will. At the, end of, at the end of Rules for Patriots, you have a discussion about possible third-party developments. There have been a lot of discussions about whether the Libertarian presidential candidates actually changed the course of results in several states. The Libertarian Party now has access to most of the states, I believe. Are they an option for the GOP Liberty Caucus to go to, or do they have enough strength to affect election outcomes? Um, well, first of all, you can take... <laughs> And, and this is why we went through Rules for Patriots last year. We went back through the book to see how much of it is still relevant to this political environment. And what we found was a lot of the, what we found is the Ten Commandments of political warfare are still very much relevant. They're timeless. But the conclusion, when we get into the third party conversation at the end, that's no longer relevant. The Republic, I, I finished the manuscript to that book in the fall of 2013. It was published at C, it was released at CPAC in 2014, so late February 2014. That's over four years ago now. The Republican Party has devolved at a, at a, at a far more rapid pace than even where it was at when I finished the book in the fall of For 2013. Sure. 
for sure. So the conclusions I write about a third party at the end of the book are just not germane right now. I shouldn't tell you that. It's you know it's bad salesmanship, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. The conclusion of the book's not germane to where we're at right now. the The conclusion of the book is not is not is not obtainable at the moment. We've we've passed the Rubicon in the Republican Party now. So your question, Warren, about alternatives, platforms like the Libertarian Party and others is germane. There's a whole chapter in the book I'm working on right now that addresses this question. I'll give you a little preview. I think it's going to be very difficult to use either the Liberty or Libertarian or Constitutional Constitution parties as alternative vehicles. And the reason why is, first of all, the Constitution Party has a totally different worldview than the Libertarian Party does. Constitution Party has a stated Christocentric worldview. Libertarian Party does not. In fact, I don't know what the stated worldview of the Libertarian Party is. It's not even, if it had a stated worldview, then you could probably find some common ground between the two camps, but it doesn't. It's a hodgepodge mishmash of people who think they're libertarians, some who just want to free the weed. Some who actually, you know, have like read every Thomas Woods book and are serious about this. Some who read, you know, uh, you know, trying Atlas fig- Shrugged once. Yeah. Some who are trying, still trying to figure out what Aleppo is. Yes. And that's how you end up with your ticket is, you know, William Weld, who is a huge big government rhino from Massachusetts, is the running mate of the stoner from New Mexico. That's how you end up with that. It's it's a it's a hodgepodge. It's Nebula, the character from Guardians of the Galaxy. You ever looked at her very closely? The, uh, the, the, one of the daughters of Thanos, where he has torn her apart and rebuilt her so many times. There's, her arms are different from her eyes, and one side of her face is a different shade of blue. It's just hodgepodged together, okay, with no core. That's Nebula. That's what the Libertarian Party is. On the other hand, you have the Constitution Party that's all core. It's all core all the time. Well, the problem with choosing one of those two vehicles is it will dilute our sample more than it already is. Because you're going to have one group of people that are going to be attracted to the idea that I think I can get less government without taking any tough moral stances, which is not true. But they will be attracted to that idea. And they will go one way. And then you have another group of people that will be heavily attracted to the Christocentric worldview of the Constitution Party, and they will go another. And that's why those groups can't be third parties. They will be, they will be third and fourth parties. You'll, you'll go to a, a parliamentary system because they're splinters within splinters. Is, is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah. Because there's, they, they don't represent – they have totally different worldviews. And the, and the worldviews they represent, you know, I would have a worldview very similar to the Constitution Party's worldview. So I'm not happy saying this. Because we're living in an age where 9% of evangelicals have a biblical worldview. Not 9% of Americans. You could do something with that. 9% of 360 million people is a heck of a lot of people, guys. It's 36, that's 35 million people. That's 30 times more than the population of the state we live in, Iowa. You can do a lot of damage with 35 million people. No, it's not 9% of Americans. It's 9% of evangelicals. That's not even polling Catholics. Okay? So 
my, my worldview is a niche of a niche. This is my struggle as I'm trying to always do broadcasting. I'm trying to reach the widest audience I can with a belief system that's now a niche of a niche. Even within my own niche of conservatism, my belief system is a niche of a niche. And so the Constitution Party and Libertarian parties aren't third parties. They're third and fourth parties. They're the splintering of a splintering. They're when, they're when Protestants leave the Catholic Church and they form, the, they're, the, one group's Methodist and one group's Baptists. See what I'm saying here? You, once you do the splinter, you'll splinter further. And that might be okay, I don't know. But, but they won't be a traditional third party as you see it. They, they, won't, they cannot create a true alternative to the Republican Party. They, are, they will create alternatives to alternatives. Like we don't have a Protestant church that competes directly with Catholicism. We have, what is it now, 2,900 denominations and sects of Protestantism across the world. And so once there was a, once there was a, a schism, they just kept on splintering. Because what happens is when the United Methodist Church decides they want to abandon the Bible, then you, you form the Free Methodist Church, Right. Okay, and when the and when the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, decides it doesn't want to be evangelical anymore, you just go to the Missouri Synod, or Missouri Synod, right? And when it, it just you just keep splintering, because you've already when you feel like the whole is the the hub has abandoned the core, you'll just keep splintering after that. That's what the Libertarian and, and Constitution parties are, and those would be great strategies if we had a parliamentary system. We don't. Now, I do think an argument can be made that we might be better off not even trying to form a third party, but a wedge party, where you just get a few people elected, and the other side, two sides are so polarized that they can't move without you, you know what I'm saying? And you might be better off with that. I mean, I just came from a state where there's like 81 Republicans in their state legislature out of 100, but they're struggling to get anything done, because... There's so many Republicans that the phonies can hide. Because then the leadership's like, well, we don't want to divide the caucus. And some of our members are more conservatives than others. So we're not going to bring that bill to the floor. But if there were 54 Republicans, oh, that bill would come to the floor. Because there's not a cushion to hide. And they need every vote they can get. So I do think there's a strategy. There, there is a I, there is something to be said about considering a rather than a third party, a wedge party, and that now could be where a libertarian or a cons, a constitution party could say, we're not trying to compete with the Republican Party. We're not trying to replace it. We're creating a whole different alternative paradigm, and we just need enough people to gum up the works that they have to give us some consideration. They have to listen to us. We're the middle ground between the two vested interests. Thoughts on that, gentlemen? We already got a third party. It was definitely a third party moment. Um, It's not about whether it's going to happen. It happened already, and that party is Donald Trump. Well, yes. That That was what I tried telling some of the people on the Cruz campaign and others Trump's secret sauce beyond his high name ID, which helps, beyond the stage when it got down to us and Trump and, and Trump was and, and Fox was shilling for him. Beyond that, the reason Trump was able to get from a joke coming off that escalator in June of 2015 to getting to that point of the race 
is because he was running a third party within the Republican Party. He was channeling that that angst better than anybody else. You're exactly right about that. Aaron. Yeah, we need to be like uh, Aragorn enlisting the uh, the undead kings, the, the the ghost kings. I mean, that's that's the example of a uh, of the wedge. We have something we can be. We can, we may be small in numbers, very very small in numbers, uh, but we have something that they want, and then they can give us something that that we want. So there is uh, just just being a big party, a major party um, that that. You know, there's power there, but that's not the the only source of power. All you need, like you said, is just a, a sliver, and then you can actually start to throw some weight around. And it might actually be better that way, because all we've gotten out of the Republican Party is big tent when it's convenient for them. Which is almost never when it's convenient for us. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Like, when was the last time the Republican leadership came to you and said, guys, I know it's a real tough election year right now, but we really have got to, we really need, we moderates, we really need you guys to, to bow up here and vote for this bill that will end up in the courts as a full-on assault against Roe, because if you don't, we don't pass this, you know, our base isn't going to turn out in, in, the, in the numbers we need to win. When was the last time that conversation happened? Yeah, that's, that's never happened. And it's never going to happen no matter how true it is. Because they would rather lose than give in to you. This is why I ultimately came to the conclusion we can't win here. There's only two reasons a, a politician will do what you want them to do. They either agree with you or they're afraid of you. Right now, the Republicans don't agree with you and, and they aren't afraid of you because they don't care. They don't care whether they win or lose. Most of them don't care. Because if winning means doing what you and I want them to do, they would rather lose. That's why they're not going to, that's why they're, that, that's why we have to, that's why they won't put the heartbeat bill up in Congress right now. When that is something, the pro-life base is the largest, most loyal voting bloc in the Republican Party. That is something that would mobilize that base overnight. Democrats, remember when they did this in Texas and they brought out the Hail Satan chants and they were throwing tampons? Remember how ridiculous that looked? And that sunk Wendy Davis's campaign. You remember that? Right. She was the big star. <laughs> she was dead after the Republicans brought that abortion bill up because it brought all their crazies out. And the rest of Texas was like, ah, oh, hell no. Hell no. We're not doing that. She was done once there once it was once it was fools on parade, she was toast. Boy, they bring a heartbeat bill up like that. Can you imagine what the Linda Sarser crowd's gonna do? I mean, look at how crazy the March for Women was without that. Throw up something that will end up as a direct the first direct federal court challenge to Roe versus Wade since Casey twenty-five years ago. Throw that up in this environment, man, when they're lit as the Gadsden Mall in the summer of seventy-eight. Can you imagine what they will do? I mean, they're wearing pussy hats in January now. What do you think they would do if we put up if we passed a bill? We put a bill on President Trump's desk. And the president, most people think, probably paid for somebody to have an abortion before, puts his signature on a bill that says if the child has a heartbeat, you can't kill it. Good Lord, can you imagine what extreme 
asininity we would be the culture would be exposed to if we did that if the republicans did well, that you're telling this is why i think there's still a chance that the republicans would not they won't the do it why because their caucus most of them aren't pro-life and they don't want to vote for it because they don't want they don't want to protect the children before they were willing to do it to pander to us now they just don't agree with us that's why they won't do this stuff they won't do this. There's a reason why you have not had a piece of legislation in a federal court that has challenged Roe since Casey 25 years ago, guys. Casey was in 1992. From 1994 until now, Republicans have had total control of Congress the entire time. Both houses of Congress, they could have sent these bills to Obama knowing he'd veto them just yep. to grandstand. Yes. They have had total control of Congress from 1994 until now, which is how many years now? 24 years. Every year, except 2006 through 2009. <coughs> or 2007 through 2009. Republicans have had, well, and then they had the House. So they've had one or both houses of Congress... From 1994 until now, all but three years out of 24, and they haven't done it. They haven't produced one piece of legislation that's a challenge to Roe on its face. That should tell you all you need to know. All you need to know. Man, we, they, they did stuff like that. The left would lose their minds. Huffington Post writers today are writing about one of Trump's judicial nominees. She's terrible because she claims that Planned Parenthood kills 150,000 girls a year. That crazy-ass characterization from that one Huffington Post wannabe feminist chick would be a negative nine on the Richter scale compared to what the crazy-ass left would do with something like a heartbeat bill. And most of Americans would be like, I don't even know what a heartbeat bill is, but those people can't run the country. Uh, no. That's what they do. But they won't do that because they're not pro-life. And they don't want it. They don't want to. St- if they, if they, they don't want to stop killing the guy, kids. I know you don't want to listen to me. And I don't blame you. I used to be on your side of this transaction. None of us want to believe our vote's meaningless. How many more... I got 500 million reasons why the Republicans don't want to stop the killing guys. And it's the check they handed Planned Parenthood three weeks ago today for $500 million. They don't want to stop it. Period. That's why they don't do this stuff. That's why they're not going to do it. And Paul Ryan's going to hold on to the speakership all the way to the bitter end, just in case a Jim Jordan or Mark Meadows might have enough votes to win, who might do something like that. And he's going to hold on through November to make sure that doesn't happen. And the Republicans will lose. And then whoever, whatever hack replaces Paul, Paul Ryan next year as minority leader, he'll make sure, he'll be filling up your spam folder with send us money to stop President Trump from being impeached. You should tell every one of those people to go coitus themselves with a rusty plunger in hell. That's what you should tell them. Sadly, more of you are going to write them a check next year than tell them that. I hope that's not true. I highly suspect that it is. You're going to give them your credit card number rather than guns up. You know what I'm saying, okay? That's what you should be telling them. 
You should be saying, you are a son of the devil. Instead, you're going to say, save America. You know, so we are where we are. I could lie to you, but I won't. Then it's up to you whether you want to lie to yourself. Dennis in South Carolina writes, Steve, you're right. There isn't as much market for the truth as there used to be, but there is some market for the truth, and those are the ones that listen to shows like yours. I appreciate that, Dennis. That is very kind. Chris in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, You've mentioned on your show before that the Christian life is freedom. Can you expand on the freedoms that come with accepting the free gift of grace? Paul says we're all going to be slaves to something, Chris. Either Christ or the world. The freedom that comes with the Christian life is the freedom by God's grace to live the life he's called you to live. To say no to the things the world says you should have to destroy yourself with. That's the freedom. The freedom to say no to that which is bad for you, which you can't do on your own. Not for any extended period of time. You know, Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't. The evil I want to do, I do. What a wretch am I? Who will save me from this? Jesus says, I will. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. By my grace, not by your might, but by my power. You have the freedom to tell the world, to tell the devil, no. And then by my grace and by my power, when you fall and you fail to tell the world and the devil, no. You have the power to get back up again. That's the freedom I'm talking about. Freedom, freedom in Christ, if I can interject. Freedom, freedom in Christ is not the freedom to sin despite what he did on the cross. It is the freedom from sin because of what he did on the cross. Amen. You may interject when you're going to say it better than me. Yes. If, Thank uh, you. Thank you. I mean, even the <laughs> pagans, ultimately everybody agrees that ha- happiness is a, de- a destination uh, that they're seeking. Well, the narrow gate is uh, the guaranteed roadmap. It's like pick one of those kids' mazes you get. You know, it's it's everybody else like constantly running around, running into roadblocks, never getting out of that thing. We've we've got it, and we have that outline, that red outline that gets to the end. And it's sometimes long and circuitous and awkward and difficult and hard, but we we will get out to the end. We will get there. Everything else is a lie. It's beyond a lie. It's impossible. Go back to the conversation at the very beginning as we close this out and why I think the Convention of States provides us an opportunity to, to create a network to get around the echo chambers. As we were taping this, I just saw an email from Eric Erickson at The Resurgent. So if you were anywhere near Twitter, Facebook, cable news, or any conservative media outlet, and it, it, over the last 48 hours. If you didn't already know who Diamond and Silk are, you do now. I didn't know who they were. You guys hear about this? Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, no. There are these two black ladies on Twitter that I guess oh. have, have, or I'm sorry, on YouTube, YouTube yeah. that have blown, they're like, they've become like, you know, um, 
Mythical Morning big on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're like, you know, Nerdy Nummies big on YouTube. They're like huge. And they're these two outspoken. I've never watched a single second of their videos. I'd never even heard of them until three, two days ago. And, but I mean, they're basically outspoken black women that are supporters of Donald Trump. And to coincide with Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook's testimony to Congress this week, they were all over conservative media and all over Fox News talking about Facebook has censored us. They've taken down our videos. Eric Erickson at The Resurgent. Quote, I've confirmed with Facebook that Diamond and Silk were contacted by email and phone by Facebook several times before their Fox News appearance, saying no one had reached out to them. I have the actual emails. This is why we have to form our own network. And, and frankly, even if the whole Diamond and Silk thing is true, it doesn't matter one iota compared to they're not going to do anything about Obamacare all year long. They're not going to do anything for the cause of the pro-life cause all year long. Instead, they'll give you the shiny object. Fox will give you the shiny object of diamond and silk. And let's face it, most conservatives are white and are tired of being called racist. And you just want to know that there's non-white people out there saying what you think. And you'll just and you'll make them hugely successful, whether they know or believe a damn thing they're saying or not. And we all know that's true. And we can name names. We can name names of people who all they're good at in this industry is not being white. Because most conservatives are white and they're tired of being called racist. And they're just looking for somebody who doesn't look, who doesn't, who's not as pasty as they are, saying the same things they're saying so they can get over feeling, get over, because they're tired of being called racist. We all know this is true. Sure. Let's not lie. Yeah. That's what this group's about. I guarantee it. I don't have to watch a video. I don't have to watch three seconds of it to guess that if they weren't black, most white conservatives wouldn't care. They think it's obnoxious, infantile, simplistic ranting. But because they're non-white, you just want to feel like you're not a white. You want to be able to tell your white liberal friends. You can share it on your Facebook wall. We're not racist. Hey, they got these two black ladies on YouTube. I've seen this a million times. Even if the story were true, which it appears like it's not now. But even if it were true, what's more important? That the Republicans gave $500 million to Planned Parenthood or Diamond and Silk? What do you think is more important? You mean for, rea- for real? For real, for uh, real. The fact that Republicans gave the money. What do you think's probably been covered, going to be covered more by Fox, Drudge, and Rush? Diamond and Silk. The exact opposite of reality. This is why we have to create our own our own network to get beyond these gatekeepers and echo chambers our people are imprisoned by some of their own advocates final thoughts gentlemen go there's a lot of people who really have no interest in informing you uh, because they have every interest in lying to you because lying to you lines their pockets um I, last time I checked my pockets, uh, it wasn't lined. I don't think Steve's pockets are lined either. Um, and we're not a victim here uh, at, at the same time. We're just tr- trying to figure out what the truth is. We're not trying to push a narrative. We're not trying to push a side. Um, this, this week, with what went down with Michael Cohen 
and the ramifications of that. There's a whole heck of a lot of people who are just fake. They're just fake. They don't care about the truth. And it's frustrating to see a lot of fakes in our industry. Because the check just keeps clearing. And as long as that, it's hard to... I I understand. It's hard to say no when big checks are clearing. But that's not what we're... That's at least not what we... We, we strive never to become that. And um, whatever the solution to all of this is temporarily, uh, it's it pales in comparison to the solution that we need each one of us every single day, and that is um, that is God's mercy and grace. And that's what we should each be striving for every day. Well, um, that was rough. The crowd is shouting, "Give me Barabbas!" and we're getting mm. a. We're getting it with the fire hose. The heart wants what it wants. Yes. And it has its heart set on Barabbas. Well, some of the crowd does. Some of the crowd does. You get you get challenges to the paradigm, like con- the Convention of States, because there's another crowd that doesn't want Barabbas. The question is, can we organize enough of these people before the clock runs out? That's the question. Thanks for listening here on a Friday. Have a great weekend, hopefully somewhere in America where you live. It is spring this weekend because it is not where we live, even close. See you on Monday. Don't forget CRTV.com, promo code DACE. Until then, John 317. Steve Dace. I like it, you.